Hello and welcome to the Yoga with Molly Off the Mat podcast. I'm your host Molly and in this podcast we talk all things yoga and life off of the mat. Let's get started. Hi yogi friends, wherever you are tuning in from and listening to the podcast. Um, I'm feeling pretty overstimulated today. I am in overstimulated mum mode. My son is on the one hand in just a really exciting age, which I feel like, you know, I used to always hear mums describe it this way that every time you reach a new age, it's like, oh, this is the best age because all of a sudden there's all these new and exciting things and you're getting to know your child better, but also each stage comes with new and different challenges. So at the moment, he's really active, really mobile. He is crawling all over the place. He is exploring things. He's getting stronger with that, but it also means that he is stronger and he is hurting me. <laughs> he, he tries to pull my hair out. He Earlier, he tried to pull my ear off. He And I know he does it affectionately, but he smacks my face. Yesterday, I actually... And I'm really sorry, this is going to sound truly gruesome. And I can just tell you, this was not my experience of it. <laughs> but I have like a a little burst blood capillary in one of my eyes. I'm really sorry if that made you throw up a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it would make me want to throw up a little bit if I heard it. I didn't feel this happen, but all I can tell you is he smacks my face a lot, including my eye. Uh, when my eyelid is closed, um, and once a couple of weeks ago when it was open by accident. <laughs> oh, um, anyway. I'm always joking with my husband. I'm like, I'm so thankful that I still have my eyesight because with the way that this child is physically assaulting me, (laughs) like how how are there not more emergency room stories of parents who have like been seriously injured by their babies? (laughs) Like, I don't get it. Um, And I don't think he's a particularly aggressive child. I think this is just, um, as a pediatrician actually once said to me, you know, babies being babies. Um, but yes, yeah, so I look a bit beaten up and my ear is hurting from where he tried to rip it off earlier. Oh my goodness. And, you know, I do all of this in the same way, you know, you wake up first thing in the morning and maybe you throw on a robe and you come in the kitchen and you're just taking a minute to kind of warm up into life. Like, um, if we think about the body, the body's still cold, you know, if you had to run for some reason, it'd probably be more of a hobble first thing, (laughs) you know, and this kid though, he is ready, he's like a warmed up athlete, he's not afraid of anything, he would fall into the splits and not even blink, okay, and that's what I'm up against, So, oh, anyway, um, love my son, love my family, but I am feeling a bit overstimulated because it's, it's tough. It's tough trying to like second guess the needs of a baby all of the time for months on end. Like, okay, why are you cranky? Are you hungry? Are you tired? Do you need a nappy change? Are you bored? Are you this? Are you that? Are you, 
<laughs> and then also while being smacked in the face. And um, yeah, anyway, I just, I begged my husband just now. I'm like, please, please take my sweet angel baby out. Please find me a coffee on the way. Um, and see you in an hour, please. So he lovingly obliged. So hubby and baby have gone for a walk. I am curled up on the couch in the fetal position, enjoying some physical autonomy for the next hour. <laughs> Guys, it's tough. I don't want to lie to you about it. It's tough. And when I used to hear these descriptions before I had a child, I'd be like, yeah, sounds tough. But also, isn't it kind of cute? It is. It is. I actually still feel that way. But physically... When you're exposed to that day in, day out for months, you know, there comes a point where you reach that point pretty quick. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> About two weeks after delivery, you reach that point where like your nerves are fried. Your nerves are fried and they stay pretty fried. So it's it's tough. You know, it's it's really tough. So um, that's where I am today, in all honesty. Um, but I feel better already just sharing the anecdote with you. So thank you again. Um, today is another pretty cool day. I believe it was about two years ago. Um, could have been, yeah, I think it was the 17th of September. Could have been the 18th, 19th. I'm not sure a hundred percent, but around this time, two years ago, that I started my yoga teacher training journey. Um, is that right? It would have been 2021. Yeah, that is wild. Yeah, because it was 2022 that I launched the podcast once I was a qualified yoga teacher and was kind of exploring. And yeah, this is this is year two. So yeah, it's um, pretty, pretty exciting. Two years sounds so short. Like I feel like I've been doing the podcast and been reflecting on yoga teaching for a long time, but at the same time, it's so short. And yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to do as much teaching or it's not about opportunity. I've chosen to put my yoga teaching as it were out there in a really different way because I was pregnant and postpartum for most of that time I think I was pregnant within a couple of months of qualifying uh of being a, a yoga teacher and uh, somewhere in between I also moved house and got married <laughs> um so finding like a regular time slot for a live class commitment either in person or online was not my priority um until things became a little bit more settled. Um, maybe next year, I have to see, but I've really been enjoying making on-demand content. I've really enjoyed this podcast. I have really enjoyed like a few one-to-one -one clients, like mainly friends and um, family. I haven't kind of been formally putting an offering out there. Um, but yeah, I've been... I've been enjoying and it's been cool and yeah I, I can't believe it's been two years I remember when I first touched down I did the beginning part of my yoga teacher training in Spain I was I was full of fear you know it was something I wanted to do but I definitely had 
a lot of like imposter syndrome. I kind of like a lot of the feelings I had were like, I don't know if I'm good enough and I don't know if I'm going to be as like physical as all the other yoga students. My practice in yoga, I, I really love like, like athletic physicality. And by that, I mean, you know, putting a lot of power behind what you're doing, not necessarily like looking quote unquote like an athlete whatever that means but you know performing to your maximum athletic ability I really enjoy that but in other contexts you know I like it when I'm running I like it when I'm weight training I like it you know I I like it in other contexts um and then there's some physical endeavors uh yoga being one of them I would say swimming is somewhere in between I'm actually quite a strong swimmer but I love a slow swim. I love a slow swim. Um, and I love a slow flow. You know, that's, that's just, that's just my vibe in the same way that I'm sure everyone has different preferences when it comes to, you know, do you love a slow dance? Do you love to rave and jump all night? Like what's your party style? What's your dance floor style? You know? (laughs) Uh, And it's the same, I think, within yoga. So, Um, I have never had a particularly strong practice and I have enjoyed classes that have like a strong, um, element to them. And I think you can build some great strength through yoga, um, particularly in the upper body. I say that as a female as well, because I think... Anyway, so that's a whole other different podcast, um, but it's a great way to build isometric strength. Um, and I know in the past I've kind of come out and said, I don't know if yoga is great for strength building. Um, I know if you, if you're not injured and have no other contraindications, (laughs) then I don't think it's the most effective way to build strength. But if you are, um, injured, if you're doing kind of physical rehab, if you don't enjoy weightlifting, but you enjoy yoga, you know, I, th- I think it can be, I think it can be excellent. But anyway, uh, that's kind of a side rant. <laughs> I was, I was just really afraid because that strong spicy practice just isn't my style of yoga and something that, you know, I didn't, I was really scared how I would keep up and, how I would find that because it's not just, you know, that some moves are hard, some moves are scary, like handstands would be in that category for me where um, not only do I not practice them, but I'm really scared of them um, in a, you know, there's some things that are scary and you step outside your comfort zone and then you're glad that you pushed yourself and then, there's, you know, there's other things that aren't and that was one of them for me and um, yeah, it was really, it was really tough. And then other things that I found I did, I warmed to were backbends, actually, um, like wheel pose and things like that. I started to develop some warmth towards actually, as I practiced a little bit more. So never say never on anything, but anyway, this is just, a random collection of of thoughts, but yeah, I I remember going there two years ago and feeling, feeling afraid and not knowing what to expect. And, um, yeah, here we are two years later and all of the, the folks that I trained with, they went down such different directions as yoga teachers. And I'm so 
proud of all of them. Like they've all gone on to do really incredible things in their very own way. Um, that And, you know, just like following their journeys, it feels really authentic to each of them. And um, yeah, I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of, I'm proud of my peers and um, proud of my teachers as well. Um, that's been pretty cool as well. I think one thing that's, you know, I don't know, I, mean, I want to say slightly different in the yoga world, or at least it has been here, is that as a yoga teacher, you kind of tend to put your whole heart out there, right? Because some of the things that we share on and a lot of the teaching draws from our own vulnerability and our own story. And, you know, so, um, you know, the distance between, or at least in my case, the distance between student and teacher is different than, I don't know, your, you know, like law professor or like whatever it is that you're studying. It's a slightly different vibe, right? Because you're coming to the table with a little bit more like feeling and um, intimacy, if that isn't like a triggering word to use in this context, because yeah, yoga can be, can be pretty, um, like emotional, uh, you know, maybe that's the right word. I think intimate is, is probably the right word. Um, you really share with each other in like a vulnerable, soulful way. So it's been cool to continue to see, the journey of the teachers that I trained with as well and what they're up to now and, and how they're building their businesses and um, changing up their offering and expanding and growing. And yeah, it's very cool. Um, so yeah, um, proud day in that respect. But anyway, enough about being bullied by my baby. Uh, <laughs> and the journey of becoming a yoga teacher. Let's get into the core of the episode. I had um, a really validating conversation with another mother um, a couple of weeks ago. I don't believe I shared it on the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I don't believe I did. Um, apologies if I did, but it was a couple of weeks ago, so there is the possibility of that. Um, skip ahead if that is the case. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I was going for a walk with another mum who lives near me, and uh, her baby is a little, little younger than than mine, um, but we were sharing our birth stories with each other and our postpartum experience and our pregnancy experience and um which i've always found really healing i want to put that out there if you are thinking of becoming pregnant and you know i i've heard in the past some people kind of feel like hearing other people's birth stories on social media is a bit of an overshare and why would you share something that personal i have to say having gone through it or even when i'm when i was pregnant or postnatally i i i understand how important and healing and validating it can feel to just 
process every detail, to share every detail, to witness all the details from somebody else, um, to hear someone else's story. It culturally, you know, and I'm talking about the culture of like a perinatal culture, pregnant, birth, postpartum. Yeah. We have our own culture. <laughs> we do have our own culture that I think lives separately. Um, I was thinking this the other day when I went to go meet some friends for dinner and I was out and about in the city without my baby and I was dressed a little bit different. I wasn't wearing what I would call my mum uniform, um, which is kind of like leggings and an oversized t-shirt, just something really comfortable and easy to play in that's soft on my baby's skin. Um, wasn't wearing jewelry. My hair is always tied up so he can't pull it. I'm inevitably covered in food of some sort. <laughs> Sometimes I even just walk around the house in an apron. It's a very different vibe and that's fine. I don't feel that, that that's how I feel good when I'm looking after my baby in the same way that we wear gym clothes to the gym. You know, it's, it's, it's about what's practical and what's, and what works and about the texture of the clothes that you're wearing as well, wanting something soft and uncomplicated um, for your for your baby as well. So when I go out, I'm my hair is down, I'm wearing some makeup, I'm wearing a different style of clothes, and I'm in a different style of world. You know, the mummy world that I live in, it's, for the most part, mums and their babies, very occasionally fathers, um, and that's just by nature of... Um, the length of maternity leave that women have in the UK um, versus uh, dads. So yeah, occasionally um, there'll be a dad at playgroup and most of the playgroup leaders will be women as well. So I live in this world that is a lot of female energy, um, completely unsexual. And I feel like it's important to just, I mean, you might go, oh yeah, I should, I should hope not. Well, do you know what? It's very different if you were out and about on a train and without the presence of a baby, someone took their breast out <laughs> versus all of the breastfeeding and breasts that are, uh, maybe on display is the wrong word, but um, how, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, actually, as I'm talking about it. There's a lot of boobs everywhere all the time, okay, in, in, in playgroup contexts. Um, and it's completely non-sexual. I don't even, I, I don't even register it anymore. I really don't, like, <laughs> you know, like, not at all. And when I stepped out into what I would call, like, the, the non-mom world, and first of all, I was like, oh, there's men everywhere. And people's reactions to me are different everywhere. It's this world where everyone's kind of like, oh, what are you wearing? I like that outfit. You know, there's just people are watching each other and sizing each other up. And that can be in all kinds of ways, in competitive ways or in anxious ways or in ways of admiration. Or And, you know, the, the reason that I say that is like when you go to playgroup, Usually, in my experience, people are watching each other's babies. Oh, is your baby doing this? Is your baby crawling yet? Does your baby have teeth yet? Oh, your baby is such a good baby. Oh, your baby, you know. And for better or worse, I I feel like I kind of blend into the background, you know. <laughs> so it's this it's this world with like very strong feminine energy, 
where I feel completely unselfconscious. I feel desexualized. I feel it's just, it's just very, very different. And I, I just give that context. When I say, you know, you have your own culture, it, it really is like it's a different world. It's a different culture. It's a different identity, a different life experience when the, you know, that's the pre- predominant context in which you find yourself. Um, and it, you know, comes with its own challenges and difficulties and joys and all kinds of things. But um, yeah, it's only when I, I kind of went back out into the real world that I was like, you know what I felt like? If you guys have seen the Barbie movie, I felt like when Barbie is like out and about and she's like, I'm feeling scared. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit scared. That's how I felt, honestly. Um, you know, and, and saying that and feeling that made me feel a little bit sad, to be honest with you. There's, there's a big part of me that's like, oh, I'm really looking forward to going back to work and you know, wearing slightly more fashionable clothes. If any of my work colleagues are listening to this, please don't have high expectations on that front. If it's anything more advanced than a legging that's covered in sweet potato, I've done my job right, okay? <laughs> but it's not, I'm not going to be turning runway looks. Um, but I am looking forward to dressing a little bit more work appropriate. I'm looking forward to being in slightly more glamorous adult contexts, you know, even just like a coffee shop where I can sit and chill by myself, nice office environments, that kind of thing. I'm looking forward to it, but um, it is its own culture. Anyway, all of that by way of a setup. So I, <laughs> I was taking a walk with another mother and we were discussing birth stories, pregnancy experiences, postnatal experiences, as is a common perinatal culture. It's a way that people bond and connect and become close with each other. And yeah, you know, it's very, very important. Um, so please, if you see and hear that happening, be respectful, you know, and understand it in the context with which it is, which is this is its own culture that needs to be respected. So if you see someone sharing their birth story on social media, for example, whether that's your style or not, if and when you decide to have your own children, you may have views on that. You must respect, you know, when someone else chooses to do it that way, because it is like for me, just like culturally, it's so critically important. Anyone who has gone through an experience like that should be able to freely and without judgment share that birth experience, that pregnancy experience, that postnatal experience. And the only thing that they should be getting back is an empathetic set of ears. I feel so strongly about this. Um, and I don't usually take, <laughs> I don't usually take super strong stances on things, but that is definitely one of them. So anyway, gosh, nine minutes into a story. Um, you know, me and this other mother, we were sharing our experiences. And because she lives local to me, I said, actually, you know, I I wonder who was your named midwife um, during your pregnancy? And it turned out we had had the same one. Now, rewind, replay the tapes from season two. If you were listening at the time, you may or may not remember I really, and I can't remember to what extent I sugarcoated it at the time, I really did not like my named midwife. 
but I didn't want to go in and be negative. So I said to this other mother, I said, um, oh, really? You know, we had the same midwife. I said, what did, what did you think? And she goes, I, I didn't love her. Now, if you are not British, okay, quick lesson in British English. <laughs> we heavily sugarcoat <laughs> uh, negative statements, okay? So if someone says, I didn't love it, what they mean is, I hated it. If someone says, oh, it's really not ideal, it means this is the worst possible set of circumstances that I could imagine in my nightmares, okay? So if ever you hear a British person, you know, come out with like a soft kind of negative statement, you need to read that as really quite strong, yeah? <laughs> um, and then, you know, there's there's like degrees in which we would express things, and that's another lesson for another day, but... Um, yeah, certainly as soon as she said to me, she goes, mm, I didn't love her. I knew, oh, we are on the exact same page here. And I said, I was traumatized by this person. We shared our experiences. We shared the things that happened, the way that we were made to feel. Both of us in the end requested a different midwife. Um, and oh my goodness, I just, I walked away from that experience and was just like, oh, I feel so validated because one of the things that I remember feeling when I was pregnant is there's this trope, right, of like the crazy hormonal pregnant person who like overreacts and, you know, is like screaming at their partner to go get them jars of pickles and peanut butter in the night. And just generally, that it's, 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 a, it's a celebrated characteristic, but, but there's this caricature of pregnant people as being like kind of hysterical and crazy. And, you know, they're kind of the butt of the joke, right? I mean, I use words like caricature and, you know, it's like funny and entertaining. You know, people love to ask me when I was pregnant, like, oh my God, what are you craving? Um, because they're looking for a wild answer that makes them laugh, you know, so I did feel like when I was pregnant, like, people were just waiting to laugh at me a little bit, like, oh, what crazy cravings have you got, or like, what insane outbursts have you had, ha 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 ha, and I was very self-conscious about that, um, I share that just to make you, you know, a little bit more aware, it's good to be mindful that, you know, you're under the influence of a, of a strong cocktail of hormones when you're pregnant, for sure. But equally, you know, just be sensitive because pregnant people are aware of how we're talked about. We, you know, did have a life before we were pregnant. Um, <laughs> so I was really self-conscious. And whenever I had a strong reaction, a strong physical reaction to things, you know, I would be feeling stress, or I'd be feeling panic, or I'd be feeling, you know, like, no, like I, I, you know, I don't like this. This doesn't feel right, uh, which is how I felt with my midwife. I just from day dot felt like, oh my goodness, like I feel completely unsafe and uncomfortable working with you um, from, from the very beginning. That feeling only got stronger. And yet I really doubted myself. I really felt like, am I just being this overdramatic diva pregnant person? Like, what is she actually done like you know like what's my actual complaint here has anything dangerous happened I don't know and 
Uh, it was it was really stressful. It got so bad towards the end of pregnancy. I would be in tears for like a few days before <laughs> and a few days after each antenatal appointment because I was in so much dread and I would feel so upset by the things that did in fact happen in my appointments. Um, which saying it now after the fact feels just like that's awful. That's terrible. And yeah, I really, I really doubted myself. I, I didn't know if I could trust how I was feeling, um, because of so many factors. And yeah, I, um, I was just, I was so appreciative that I had gone on this walk with this mum and that we had shared those experiences with, um, with, with each other. I certainly hope, um, I'm sure all of us at any given time in our lives will be close to someone who is expecting a baby, a friend, a family member, a partner, yourself, um, and that maybe sharing a little bit about these stories <laughs> um, uh, gives, gives you some insight into uh, maybe how you can be mindful. But, you know, the, the other thing um, the other reason that I, sh I share this is in the context of um, pre and postnatal yoga teaching classes. And, you know, when I talk about things like the culture um, and some of the mental, emotional aspects of pregnancy and the postnatal experience, um, that those are things that, you know, we as teachers can be mindful of. One day I hope to continue to teach um, prenatal yoga classes live. That's one of my dream. I think I've shared with you before. I would love to have a regular slot pre for, for prenatal um, yoga students for pregnant people. And I think it's really easy the further you move from that event to forget. You know, when I was pregnant, I forgot what it was like to be not pregnant. And when you're not pregnant, it's easy to forget what it's like to be pregnant. <laughs> um, so, you know, partly I record some of these things now so that uh, I can preserve that memory and be um, the most supportive, empathetic, appropriate uh, yoga teacher that, that I can be. Um, appropriate meaning, you know, that I'm I'm actually offering and saying things that are helpful <laughs> based on how you are feeling as the pregnant person rather than what I think you need as a pre as you know as, as as a pregnant person coming from a non-pregnant person um that was a bit of a tongue twister um but yeah wow that was that was powerful and um I don't know what conclusions I have because I'm just reflecting on this fact that the signals from my body were very strong in pregnancy, telling me, you know, basically ringing the alarm bells for me. And yet I really felt this constant pressure to not listen to them. When I felt violently ill <laughs> in the first trimester and a little bit beyond, every time, you know, people would say like, it's normal, it's common, it will pass. I know it's the worst, but you know, and it was just kind of, I got like sympathy, but also it was just like normalized. And, you know, I was just told that it just means you're having a healthy pregnancy. And I, I just felt like your my body was telling me like, this is an emergency. It feels like I've been poisoned. And yet I I just kind of had to continue. You know, I, I don't know if there's any other option, but, I, you know, all I can tell you is there's this disconnect between 
what your body is telling you and feeling you, uh, sorry, telling you and, and you're feeling through it, but you're also just kind of told to just cope with more discomfort. Does that make sense? Like you just can't, you just kind of have to put up with it. Like that's just the deal with pregnancy. Um, I don't want that to be majorly triggering to people. Uh, you shouldn't have to like put up with severe pain and, and nausea, but I'd be lying if I said that I felt it was realistic that you have a completely comfortable pregnancy in 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 a way that's comparable to not being pregnant I just don't think that's realistic <laughs> like you're growing a baby it is going to be more uncomfortable than not being pregnant if not by virtue of the fact that you're going to um have a lot of pelvic pressure and just all all kinds of things are gonna happen dizziness lightheadedness um and there aren't really great remedies for every single symptom that you're going to feel so you you are going to feel uncomfortable in your own unique way. <laughs> uh, for me, the very worst of it was the nausea for sure. Um, all the other stuff, the pelvic girdle pain, it wasn't nice, but it was tolerable. It was tolerable. But the nausea for me was not tolerable and I was taking medication for it. Um, but yeah, I, I just constantly felt you know, a, a pressure to kind of just dis disconnect because I I didn't know how else to cope. Um, so kind of disconnect from my body, downplay the signals that my body was sending me and just say, okay, you're just going to have to deal with this. You've done everything you can to minimize it and what whatever's left, you just have to kind of deal with. Um, but it, it also meant that in contexts where my body was saying like, no, this isn't right, this doesn't feel safe, I, I was also kind of downplaying it because that's just the mode I was operating in. Um, yeah, so again, um, maybe this is more for the yoga teacher, but also if you are planning to embark on a similar journey yourself or perhaps um, there's something else that you're experiencing, you know, chronic pain or um, illness or injury, um, and any of what I'm describing resonates on that level. Um, I think it's just an interesting reflection to have after the fact, um, when we're thinking about tuning in, going inwards. Um, I remember saying to a friend at the time, whenever I try and do a body scan, which is something that I, I've always enjoyed doing and has been a part of my kind of mindfulness yoga practice, um, it would set off panic attacks when I was pregnant because I, it just, I was physically so overwhelmed. Um, so I really started to disconnect. And I've been reflecting recently on, am I still disconnected? You know, I shared a, f a few episodes ago about my relationship with eating and food and how I found that really confusing in in a state of pregnancy and postnatally as well while I'm breastfeeding. And someone asked me recently, they said, oh, do you feel disconnected to your hunger signals? It sounds like sometimes you eat because you're panicked or because you, you know, like, do, do you have a good sense of when you're hungry versus not hungry? Because um, it, it kind of feels like you've fallen into just more emotional patterns. And I said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. A lot happens. A lot happens. And it's, it's really tough. Anyway. I'll wind up on this point now, but I, I do just think it's a really interesting exploration. Um, 
you know, when, when, when we think about the body and the mind-body relationship, I suppose. I had planned to do one more little segment where I talked a little bit about how playtime and various things are going with my son. But can I be honest, after everything I said in the opening today, I want to grab a little nap. Yeah, that's what I need right now. (laughs) On the topic of tuning back in to our bodies um, and honoring the signals that they're sending and, and not being afraid of the signals they're sending. Um, in the way that I was so much in pregnancy, I am tired. I have been slapped in the face by my child 50 times today and I need to lie down. I need to close my worse for wear eyes (laughs) and I need a little five minute nap before my wonderful husband and my beautiful baby come home and inevitably my body is going to go back into a state of yeah (laughs) I don't have words to describe it (laughs) but it's kind of like an achy visceral um, vocal depiction of (laughs) what it feels like so um, with that I'm going to say thanks again for listening um, and I'll catch up with you soon see you on the mat